Right, that's the TARDIS hoovered. I've done the dusting. And... Yeah, I think everything's spick and span. Rob's late, though. Oh, hang on. Here he is. I'll just, uh, oh, which button's it for the door? Oh, it's that big red lever. Liam! Wow. Hi, Rob. How's it going? I've been outside for an hour. The door was locked. Well, you should have knocked. I was knocking. Oh, I must have. Must have... We, you were in hoovering again, were you? Uh, yeah, I was. It was uh, something to do. And what we're doing? Well, uh, the last time, we, uh, well, I thought we'd go on a trip. Last time I picked, although we didn't actually go to where I wanted to. But anyway, that's beside the point. And I, it'll work out today. It'll work out today. But you know, I thought we'll uh, we'll go where you want to go. So where do you want to go? Can we go to like ancient feudal Japan? I've always wanted to be a ninja or a samurai. I see. Uh, yeah, okay, no problem. Have you got a specific year in mind? When is when is feudal Japan? A feudal Japan, it's like a it's like a um an era, isn't it? Like, I don't know. Pick it sometime in the sixteen hundreds. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh sixteen thirty one. Yeah. Right, great. Uh I think I've got the hang of these controls. Uh, it always looks okay. a bit more easier on it. Right, there we go. All set. Feudal Japan. I'm not entirely sure how long the journey's going to take. Probably ten minutes or something. Maybe. Oh well. Geronimo! The TARDIS cloister bell. Imminent disaster. The cloister bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the cloister bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The cloister bell? Oh, no. Right, Rob. Well, while waiting uh, for the TARDIS to take us to feudal Japan, uh, assuming I've got the controls right... Um, I have complete faith in you. Oh, thank you very much. At least someone has. Um, we can either sit here in complete silence until we arrive, or we can talk about something. Okay. How long we got again? Ten minutes. Let's talk about something. All right, okay. Um, so, how are you doing? What have you been up to? Uh... Got the TARDIS out of mothball. We haven't used it since um, the whole incident um, where we got lost at sea. Yeah, I even to this day I can't fully remember how we ended up getting back. I think it was more luck than anything. Have you been um, up to much? I've been to see Black Panther. Oh, what did you think? It was good. I can't say anything. I think it's too soon. Yeah. I, I went on opening day. Uh, we went at 11 o'clock in the morning. Oh. Went to see the IMAX, IMAX screening. Um... It was a unique experience for a Marvel film because Chadwick Boseman passed mm, mm-hmm. after the first film and uh, this film kind of pays respect to him um, but continues the narrative. 
but I don't really want to say much. Yeah, I know I get that because, but it's, yeah, it has just come out. Um, I went to the cinema a couple of days later, but that was to see uh, Bros, which is a romantic comedy, which only came out a couple of weeks ago, but that didn't work out. Um, it's been, oh yeah, yeah, it's been incredibly difficult to see. Either cinemas have been showing it, or they've been pull, or it's been pulled, or they've only had a, a single showing in a day during the afternoon when you're at work. Finally, if like I'm living in a time loop. Wasn't this your news last week? Yeah, but I, I've got an extra story, uh, a little bit of the story to oh, tell, which was. I beg your pardon. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. Um, so, finally, had a showing, booked the ticket, went to the cinema, um, got scanned in, went to the screen. There was nothing on. Lights weren't on or anything, and it's just like, okay, this is a bit weird. So I went, then went back to the the member of staff who was just like, oh. Uh, yeah, the film that's supposed to be on isn't actually showing. And I was like, what is it? It was some kid's film, Rob. Just, I don't, I don't know which one. I've never heard of it before. I don't think anyone's heard of it. Just, you know. So, yeah, uh, anyway, don't know what happened. I think they basically, I think that even with that kid's film, they even cancelled showing that because no one, no one had booked a ticket for it. But, uh, but yeah, they, they weren't showing bros when I was at the cinema there. And it's just like, oh. Uh, so I don't know what it is, Rob. I don't think I'm destined to see that film. Um, it just seems impossible, and it's not out on streaming or available to buy at the moment. So I think this is causing you a lot of distress. I think you should just give up. Yeah, I'm just giving up. I'm just, move on. Yeah, move on. I'm not supposed to see it. I actually, yeah, got, uh, actually obviously got yeah. a refund on the ticket, but it just that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Move on. No one wants to hear you talk about Bros next week. <laughs> Find some new material. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a movie called Sisters, which I've been trying... No, that's just crap. But, yeah. Oh, you know what we've just passed? What? 20,000 listens. Wow, okay, that's quite good. Yeah. Mm. So today we're talking about the final ever a Jodie Whittaker story that we know of. It is The Power of the Doctor. Yeah. We started this podcast four years ago when we just reviewed The Woman Who Felt Worth. Yeah. So I feel like everything's come full circle. Like, we could just end it and walk away for good, Liam, today. Oh, you know what, Rob? Yeah, That's you know what? It's, 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 it's absolutely perfect. We could live a happy life. <laughs> Never have to record another Doctor Who podcast ever again. Oh, that does yes. sound good. But we're not going to do that. No, we're Doctor Who fans. We're not sensible. We're not, we're not sensible, sane people. Oh, uh. <laughs> we'll have to give like a big Capaldi-style speech at the end. Like, well, it's not going to kill anyone except us. <laughs> we'll do another four years. Rob, I let you go. <laughs> <laughs> Fine by me. <laughs> Do a runner. Uh. <laughs> uh. Uh. Well, yeah. Th- thanks to the twenty thousand listen listeners. I know it's not twenty thousand people. Mm. Um, thanks to all the listeners. Um, for the support over the years. Mm-hmm. This is sound like a bit of a speech. I don't mean it to sound like that. Um, and thanks to the patrons. Um, yeah, and everyone. And thanks to Liam. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to you, Rob. This podcast would, 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 uh, would 
wouldn't be anywhere as listenable or as engaging if it wasn't for you. And yeah, uh, going back to what you were saying uh, before. Me? Yeah. I'm the boring one. Are you? I don't know. You're, you're the one that does all the talking. I just do the mumbling. <laughs> <laughs> so the success is all down to me. 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 Anyway, no. Um, no, you're a bit... Well... Yeah, well, you're a big part of the podcast, Rob. You're the other half of it. That's some filler. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, going back to that first part, yeah, uh, huge thanks to the, uh, people who just tune in and listen. Obviously, if it wasn't for you, there'd be absolutely no point in us doing this podcast. Um, so thanks f- uh, thanks to you. And uh, we do have uh, a loyal listener base and we have patrons, of course, um, who've gone that extra step in, in supporting as well which is extremely uh, appreciated. And yeah, just uh, all the engagement that we're getting from from listeners, other po- you know, to, who are you know, uh general Doctor Who fans, other podcasters, you know. Um thank you very much. It may not sound it's a bit difficult uh I think to actually express um you know, how appreciated. So I do find it sounds like this yeah, I'm ruining this, but thanks. <laughs> Just shut up, Liam. You're ruining it. No, thank you. Yeah, it's all good. That's good, yeah. They give us a reason to go on. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, what's what's next on the agenda? We've got another another five minutes before we land. Mm. Um, Should we play the trailer for The Power of the Doctor? Put it up on the scanner. Oh, yes. Uh, it's that. Yeah, on the scanner. Welcome to the end of your existence. A dozen of the world's leading seismologists have gone missing. Fifteen of the world's most valuable paintings have disappeared. Look, I landed! 9.9! Can I let you in on a little secret? A direct incursion on Earth is imminent. Has it never occurred to you that it could be a trap? This isn't a day you are erased forever. Bit of a conversation stopper. It's incredibly dangerous. It was a really bad idea. Anything could happen. I don't want it to end. Yes! So, right, okay. So, first things first, Rob. Were you enjoy- were you looking forward to this episode? Mm, um, to an extent, <laughs> I didn't have I didn't have like butterflies in my yeah. tummy or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was I, I was yeah. I was going to indulge the show for one last one last week. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I was excited to watch it. Yeah, were you? No. <laughs> Um, uh, I wasn't indifferent to it, but I wasn't uh, hugely excited as I thought. I, you know, as I thought I should be for, you know, for a, a Doctor's final uh, adventure. Um, but I mean, I did watch it when it was going out live, so yeah. So, <laughs> so there was that, you know, and uh, 
just wanted to see how how it how it went and there were elements of it that I was looking forward to I mean Sasha Dewan one is a very good actor and I've always loved him as the master and I, I I've loved his performance of it and the that that real mania that he gives the the role and I I mean what one of the great things is that when uh, the season eight uh, Blu-ray box set came out which was the first season of Doctor Who which introduced the master Sasha Dewan is in the behind the sofa stuff on that he is yes and it was just great seeing him going back watching the very first actor who played the master playing it and his you know him enjoying the stories and him looking at and appreciating Roger Delgado's uh, performance but there's just a thing of going, you know, you're in that line of, of actors who have played one of the main villains. And how he just loves that. And he respects it, but he, he's really enjoying it. And, that, and that's, you know, that's been great. And I think he's definitely one of the great things which have which has come out of this era. Um, so the fact he was coming back and was going to be the main villain. We knew that the Daleks and the Cybermen were coming back, but the Master was going to be the main villain. I was definitely looking forward to that. So, yeah. yeah. Have we had a story before with the three of them in? The the three villains. Uh Well, I know we Well, the we five have doctors. Five doctors, yeah. All together though in the same frame? No, cuz the Dalek only appears for what of like 2 minutes in the five doctors and that's it. Yeah. Um But yeah, the Masters obviously interacted with the Daleks, as we know, and he interacted with the Cybermen in the Five Doctors. But the mm. whole three of them, no, I think this is the first time. Yeah. Well, I think I think we're landing. Oh yes, we are. Um, mm. Scanner seems to be on the blink now. We managed to show the trailer all right, but I don't know what's going on. Right. Okay. Well, hopefully we've landed in feudal Japan. Uh, hang on, I'll just open the doors. Um. You first, Rob. Oh, wait, let's get a move on. Right. Are we where we're supposed to be? Well, it's very dark. Can you describe what we're seeing, Liam? Uh, it's very dark. <laughs> Could it be night time? I think so. Hang on. But I can't see any stars. Okay. Well, this isn't a very visual description for the listeners. Hey, well, I, I, I'm not just going to make stuff up. We're in a dark place with no light, unless we're inside a building. Oh, could be. Yeah, the ground's very flat. Could be a floor. Hmm. What's over there? I don't know. You're our tour guide today. Am I? Well, maybe I should have brought a torch. Yeah, here you go. All right, That's okay. Fine. Oh, look, we are inside, and there's a door over there. Ah, let's try the door. Well, it's not locked, so that's a relief. That's good. Go on, out. Ah, here we go. We're outside. Well, uh... Uh, there's fields and stuff. What's feudal Japan actually supposed to look like? Like, um, fields of samurai with blood squirting out their necks, heads rolling. 
Well, there's none of that. Did you ever see that movie, The Last Samurai? That is that the Tom Cruise one? Yeah. No. Is it? Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Do you think that's a crazy premise for a film? The Last Samurai's Tom Cruise. Well, yeah, but life goals, I want to be the next samurai, so he can't be the last. All right, okay, fair enough. Um, how mm. do we find a samurai? Well, let's go for a walk, and we can talk about the casting crew on the way. All right, okay, good idea. So the Doctor, of course, was just played by Jodie Whittaker, David Bradley, Colin Baker, Peter Davidson, Pop and Gan, Sylvester McCoy, Joe Martin, and David Tennant. And... Oh, no, he was... Uh, I was going to say the next Doctor, but he was in the, the trailer, not the episode. Anyway, yes, you're quite... Yes, so uh, a lot of Doctors in this uh, in this episode. Yeah, qu- quite a few. Um, of course, we had we had Yaz, Manip Gill, the Master, Sasha Dwan, Dan, John Bishop, Ace, Sophie Aldred, Tegan, Janet Fielding, Kate Stewart, Gemma Redgrave, Vinda Jacob Anderson, Graham Bradley Walsh, Ashad, Patrick O'Kane, uh, a few others. Yeah, big lineup. Did you expect any other classic companions to um, appear in a big capacity? No, I didn't. Um, I think it was just just how yeah, just how it was presented. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking there's going to be loads of surprises that held back. Ah, but no. right, okay. Yeah, if, really. it, it it never it never crossed my mind that that they would. It, I mean, I know I, I think because when we were talking about it in other podcasts, and you know, we were talking about well, there may be some surprises, but there can't be that many, given that you know it's going to be Jodie Whittaker's last episode. It's got to be focused on that. We know that we're getting pretty much a ton of villains in it. We've got Tegan mm. and Ace coming back. On top of Yaz and Dan going to be in the episode. Um, yeah. So there, there is a lot of positives about the episode. Yes. Shall we get a few of the negatives out of the way of um, the way it maybe defied expectations narratively? Yes, we can um, do that. Um, I'll let you... I'll let you go first because um, with me, it's sort of it's a bit of a funny one. You are right, Rob. There are positives to do with the story, so it's not it's not one that I'm just going to completely dump on. But in some respects, some of the positives are for me one of the reasons why the story doesn't work. So it's okay. it's, a, it's a bit of an odd one. But no, yeah. So um, I'll let you go first with that. Well, throughout the um, Chris Chibnall era. There's been um, a few little things introduced. We've had the timeless child mm-hmm. thing, yeah, which was explained to an extent, and for all intents and purposes, that that might be it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a promise of maybe she was going to uncover her past memories, learn more. We had the whole thing with her kind of maternal. Um, who was it? Um, Tectoon. That was kind of resolved and she was killed. I thought that was a bit odd. At the end of Flux, there was an ominous entity that was time. Mm-hmm. That wasn't um, touched upon. And what what else? What other plot threads haven't been resolved? I'm just trying to think. 
unless I'm missing something, uh, I think that's I think that's pretty much it. Do you think um, it maybe it should have picked up on those things? Do you think it started off with with a promise and didn't deliver? Do you think it it just kind of yeah? Do you think it yeah didn't deliver? Um, I didn't know. I didn't quite know what to expect with this, and I felt like it. Um, one of the problems that I've had with the Chris Chibnall era, to some, well, not the era, but with certain stories, um, is there was a tendency to jam pack them in with uh, with some stuff, and you've certainly got this with uh, you know the uh, with the Flux series, and um, uh, and some of the previous episodes dealing with a timeless child where there's just this constant hopping around of places there's an awful lot of locations um and this episode has that worse than most because it's all yeah it had a running time of about i think 90 minutes so it's that this is a, a you know the, the length of a f- short feature length film but um still but it's it's within one episode and you're in different times different locations you know you've got 1916 russia then you've got uh the present day then you've got uh the cyber moon planet thing uh you had the the the, the train at the the the, uh, the train at the beginning um so you had all yeah. these different locations and a heck of a lot of characters You've got uh, the Doctor, Yaz, Dan, uh, Kate, uh, Katie Stewart, Ace, Tegan, the Cybermen, the Daleks. Um, I've forgotten the character's name now, but that chap from Flux. Ovinda, yes. Yes. Now, funny enough, he was a he was a surprise when he came because I loved his character in in Flux. So when he came into this story and I saw it's like oh I didn't expect that that's quite nice I'm pleased he's back um didn't really do much with the character really he didn't it was like a happy coincidence that he arrived yeah and then he all he did was help apprehend the master yeah I believe mm-hmm. um so yes it is a bit of a muddle this episode jumping all over the place yeah. one thing I do not understand and I don't mind jumping ahead now, but we'll cover the story soon. We have Sasha Jawan's master in different time periods. Yes. So we have a present day master mm-hmm. who was who killed all the um, seismologists and was apprehended and ultimately taken to the unit headquarters. Mm-hmm. And this 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 version of the master was later um, freed by the Cybermen. Then we had the Rasputin master, yeah, who had a beard in nineteen sixteen in St. Petersburg. Um, his master is the one who regenerates into um, or transfers into Jody's body. Yeah. And it's this master, I believe, that gets killed. 
So does that mean the present day master was, um, you know, in a sense, his younger self? Where did he go after that? Yeah, that uh, was a bit confusing. That was confusing. I wasn't sure if this was supposed to be obviously from their own, from the master's own time, uh, uh, time. Yeah, that what you've said sort of makes sense, but it's not entirely clear. Um, actually, what I'm, I'm sure if I give it another watch, it might make sense. Well, but what I had to do was when I was thinking about this episode is break break down what the master does i've got i broke it down into 11 points just 11 points yeah just 11 points um are you happy for me to go through them yeah go for it right okay so this is the master's plan in this story one clone a shad the angry cyberman from the timeless children and put that inside makes sense yeah and put that inside a dimensionally transcendental cyberman alongside a whole cyber army shrink the tardis like cyberman and send it to one of the doctor's former companions who he she hasn't seen since 1984 yeah right yeah two oh yeah as you would yeah as you would two poses rasputin uh, actually hang on and going on to this this is another thing that was confusing right is Rasputin the master? Did Rasp did the master it, kidnap Rasputin and take his place? It's likely that he shrank him, right? And took his identity. Oh, but yeah, um, Kate Stewart said that she identified all the defaced works of art mm. as Rasputin. So historically, was that his face? Right, in which case, <laughs> because Rasputin was an important Russian historical figure, does the Russian Revolution not take place? Anyway, that's another whole boat I don't want to get right. Okay, so that was... Uh, right, I know, it, a bit of a head-scratcher. That was part of the things where it was just... The whole master as Rasputin thing doesn't quite make sense to me, especially because, point two... Pose as Rasputin and infiltrate the Winter Palace in St. Petersburg. Why? Now, it seems to me he only does that so he has a nice room to deliver his evil plan and explain it. Mm, yeah. Three, it... vandalise 15 famous paintings with your face to gain the attention of a unit. Oh, yeah. Four, kidnap all the world's seismologists and kill them. <laughs> Five... Kidnap a space uh, jellyfish that has an energy source that disguises itself as whatever the audience feels the urge to protect and use it to power a massive cyber planet cyber moon thing that is also powered by a TARDIS and have that guarded with cyber masters. Mm -hmm. Six, get the Daleks to drill into the Earth's core. They've done that before. Hence point four of killing the seismologists and killing them. Uh, right. So that part of the plan makes sense. Right? Seven. Tell the doctor that you're going to kill her so that she walks right into your plan and then get arrested by unit. Mm. Eight. Have the shrunken angry Cyberman grow to full size, open it and have all the Cybermen charge and take over unit HQ, rescuing yourself, the master, in the process. Nine. Mm. Go back to St. Petersburg in 1916 and using the power from the cyber planet cyber moon thing, force the doctor to regenerate into you, the master. But before doing that, dance to Boney M. 
Right. Ten. Right. I'm with you. Ten. Have your new hybrid self, the Master Doctor, travel through time and space with Yasmin, doing evil plans to give the Doctor bad PR whilst looking sexy and dressed with stuff from previous Doctors. Right? Then eleven. Mm. During this, the Daleks will set off volcanoes all around the world and the Cybermasters will convert everyone and the Earth will be destroyed. See, these are the these are the eleven archetypes of storytelling. Storytelling, aren't they? These like, fundamental key points that makes a good story. All stories have them, don't they? What <laughs> all these confusing, uh, convoluted plot points that yeah. actually, when you drill down into it, some of it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't, does it? No. So, like, why does the master decide to get arrested at Unit only to get the Cybermen to rescue him? He's already got. Um, Tegan to get the Cybermen inside a unit HQ. And why clone Ashad um, when Ashad the clone does not face off with any characters who previously met him? Yeah. And why would the Master think that... um, Why Tegan? Don't get me wrong. I'm pleased that you know because uh, I really you know I like Janet Fielding. I love the character of Tegan, so I've got no. I'm not complaining about her coming back into the show, but it really is a mashup of stuff. Yeah, and the, did 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 this story come about? What is the basis for the story? Do you think it was the Boney M song, <laughs> and then Chibnall was like, "I'm going to reverse engineer a story around this song." <laughs> probably it's very random yeah it was all enjoyable but oh yeah confusing. I mean because don't get me wrong it was sort of like when I'm watching it I, I I wasn't buying into the story because I thought either this doesn't make sense or there's far too much going on or there's too much hopping around all over the place but but there were moments along the way which I went you know what there are parts of the story that I like. So oh, yeah. that was the master's plan. Then the the master's Dalek plan. Yeah. <laughs> did did you see did you see the pun there? I used to, you know because yeah. the Dalek's master plan the ma- anyway, yeah. I get it. So this was the doctor's plan to counter so I had to so break it down. So what does the doctor do? Right, okay. So what she does is she um load I don't know what the term is. Low hijack? No, low jack. All her, all her companions with nanotechnology programmed, with a holographic AI version of yourself, which responds to how the companion will remember you look like. Now hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. Right. So, she did this static shock thingy on purpose. Yes. Because she knew she was going to die. Yeah. Uh, yet she's never done this to Yaz before, but she does it to everybody now. Yeah. And then she just dies. Yeah. And then the hologram is shocked that she's dead. Are you saying that this is convoluted, Robin? Doesn't quite make sense. Uh, you know what? I don't think it does. <laughs> right. Fair enough. So that's what you do as the doctor. Then, when you're absolutely, totally dead, then you activate those holograms to encourage your companions. Right. That does actually lead to some quite nice scenes, but it's right. Okay, so three. 
then what you do is you have all the all these companions uh, work together to foil the master's Dalek cyber plan, kidnap the master doctor, and force him to de- to de- degenerate back into yourself, the thirteenth doctor. Mm. Then what you do is you, you you use your TARDIS to jumpstart the Master's TARDIS and have the both TARDISes work together to transport the Cyber Planet Cyber Moon thing from 1916 to 2022 for reasons and use it to turn all the lava from the Dalek volcanoes into big metal statues. Steel. Into big steel yeah. statues. Five. Then what you do is you tell the space jellyfish to channel all its energy back into the planet moon thing, which will free it and destroy the planet in the moon. Then, as it's your last story, get killed by the master, but draw it out long enough to have some ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. It's all there. It's. <laughs> yeah. It's all there. So shall we begin? <laughs> have, have we started this chat yet? Yeah. Shall we do the, the plot? So the, I don't need to read the, the plot synopsis now, do I? Um, I'm getting a bit tired now. Not not of the discussion, just my legs are getting a bit tired. Well, I think it's a bit both. Find, yeah. Um, should we go inside this um, this ominous looking structure? Would you describe? How would you describe it? It's sort of like um, a pagoda tower. It looks like it's got seven floors. Okay. Are we going upstairs? Yeah, so, well, there might be some seats on the ground floor. Let's go have a look. You thought we'd see some people milling around. I haven't seen a soul. Hmm. It's probably just as well. I don't want to be affecting Japanese accents on this podcast. No, my Japanese isn't that great. No. I could say hello. Hmm. Konnichiwa, Hutchin Sonsan. That's very good. Yeah. I'm just trying to remember if I can remember any Japanese from Kill Bill. Nothing? No, it's been a while since I've seen it. Have a think. Mm. Um, so, shall we... Do we need to go through the story a little bit? I've got some notes on my phone. Yeah, yeah, go on. It just goes through the story in general. Mm-hmm. I'll have a little skim through it. Do we have the, the train heist at the beginning? Yeah. Nice big scene. The child that they were saving, was it meant to resemble like a timeless child? Yeah, I, th- I think to throw the audience off a little bit. Uh, because um, that was my first reaction when, when I saw it was a child. And especially the way it was dressed and there was all, you know, powerful light. I went, oh, is it? Is is this going to be a ch- timeless child reference? Are we bringing that back into Jodie Whittaker's final story? Is there going to be a little bit more revealed? Um, of course, it's it's not. It turns out that it's this energy space jellyfish thing. Uh, yeah, of course. Which disguises itself on what whoever's looking at it wants to protect the most. Mm-hmm. Which is you know, which is which is a nice idea. Um, but in terms of introducing this thing into the story to then later have that review it's a bit superfluous it doesn't mm. really add anything as far as i'm concerned because later on you know you're introduced to the space jellyfish thing the doctor explains what it is for the purpose of the story that's 
just a plot tool. Yeah, it's just a plot yeah. tool. And actually, when the Doctor later encounters encounters it on the on the cyber planet moon thing, um, and explains it, that's pretty much all the information that that the audience needs. You don't really need to have this precursor in the pre-title sequence. Although, all what it does do is it it remove because of uh, Dan nearly died. Um, because they're all wearing spacesuits and uh, his helmet got a crack in it and he you know, could have easily died in space, which freaks him out. It it, uh, it gets him out of the story. I know later mm. on that he he sort of he he does come back at the end of the episode, but really this is his this is him leaving the TARDIS. This is his end of companion. That was weird that he just left. Yeah, end of companion scene. He's been Yeah, he, and didn't he spend like five or ten years with Yaz? Yeah. During flux. So this Yeah, so I was gonna ask what did you think of it as a sort of as a leaving scene? It yeah, it was a bit unfortunate, like we should have had more. Why was he even in it? Yeah. So Sea Devils was his his final story. Mm. And I'm I'm not buying the whole um what's his girlfriend? Linda? No. Somebody? Diane? whatever her name is I know who you mean yeah yeah um, she kind of embarrassingly like dumped him yeah and then she wanted him back and now he's just going back to her yeah have some respect man uh, have some self respect yeah um, yeah I think because I really um, I really love the um, the actor playing him I really like the character I thought Dan was great yeah. Um, oh, did you know? Do you remember after the broadcast of what's the is it the Timeless Child, the series twelve finale? Hmm. So before Flux, um, after the credits, there was a scene introducing John Bishop. Yes, like getting out of the back of a van or something, mm-hmm. and the man he's with, the actor, is the guy who plays. Carvinista, the dog. Oh no, I didn't know that. Yeah, just a little fact sprung to mind. Oh right, okay. Quite ties up with the relationship between those two characters. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's quite nice. But yeah, uh I really like John Bishop uh as an actor playing the part. I really like the character. And I think we all knew that that none of the companions were gonna go over to the, the to the next doctor so everyone was going to leave in this story yeah i think he should have had a much better departure it just sort of it comes and goes it's uh i know some people have criticized classic doctor who for some not all but some of the uh companion departures um you know dodo chaplet in the william hartnell era um she's not even in a final scene uh you know, Polly comes along and just says, "Oh, um, she's decided to stay here." And just yeah. like, all right, that came out of nowhere. Um, Let's not forget Liz, Liz Shaw. <laughs> yeah, she was again a great companion. But the, I mean, nicely, the the last time that we we see her in a story is at the end of Inferno, where she's uh, she that's true, yeah, yeah, where she's laughing at uh, uh, the Doctor and the Brigadier and how they're behaving. So it's it's, it's quite yeah. a nice scene. But yeah, they don't get proper departure. And a lot of people have said that one of the great things about new Doctor Who is that it it it, it got it gets the departures right, certainly from an emotional point of view. Mm. 
this feels like akin to uh, some of those poor companion uh, departures that we haven't seen in you know 40 50 years or whatever it it it's just right it, it was ve- for me i thought it was very unsatisfactory yeah so a character that's been developed and uh, we're invested in mm-hmm. is is given less screen time than past characters who were just dragged into it that narratively don't need to be there yes <laughs> Yeah. So, although I do appreciate the the past characters coming back, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So we yeah, get poor Dan; he's gone. We get to we get introduced to Ace, mm-hmm. and she's on the phone to Tegan, and they have a discussion saying Tegan saying like, "Oh, I haven't seen the Doctor in forty years." Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And Ace is like, well, I haven't seen the Doctor in 30. And, you know, there's been a lot of expanded media. Of course, there's the books, mm-hmm. which would account for a certain amount of time. The big Finnish stuff. Um, I think Ace has been off living on Gallifrey for a while. Uh, we've had alternative narratives with, like, Ace's death, I believe, in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I be- Well, I think she might have died a, a couple of different ways. Um We've got present day Ace running a charitable Earth mentioned in the Sarah Jane Ventures in the Blu-ray trailer carries through in a big finish. Mm-hmm. Sophie Aldred um, wrote a 13th Doctor book called At Childhood's End. Mm-hmm. And in that book the um, Ace meets the 13th Doctor Um this totally contradicts that, unfortunately. Right, okay, yeah. So what's your feelings about hearing that? Um, yeah. Not surprising? Yeah, not surprising, and I don't mind it. I mean, I, I mean, I haven't read uh, Sophie Aldred's book yet. I do plan to. Knowing that, uh, obviously, the events in this story contradict uh, the events of the book from, from what you've just said, I will just be approaching it as it is and if i enjoy the story that'll be great there's there's so much um you know history and spin-off media and stories that you you couldn't possibly make them all canon i think it would be madness to even attempt to um the way that i think um russell t davis and stephen moffat have had a good approach of kind of tackling this stuff a little bit more respectfully and ambiguous and indulging um, in kind of saying some of this stuff did happen. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Chibnall, we've had the whole thing with Mary Shelley totally contradicts a whole range of McGann stories. Yeah, true. But at the same time, it it's, it's a bit of a difficult uh, balance to strike. And I can see where Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat were coming from, and it is respectful, and it's it's quite nice. But at the same time, um, you, you can't be too mindful of it, because then I think you'd just be constantly walking on eggshells and being a bit neurotic about all this thing. At the end of the day, if mm-hmm. you're in charge of the show, you have a vision for it, and it will be the type of stories that you want to tell. And mm-hmm. um, the haunting of... Villa Diodanti 
is one of the best stories of the Jodie Whittaker era. Appreciate it from what you've said, Rob. It contradicts some of the big audio adventures. Um, hopefully that doesn't take away your enjoyment of them. No, not at all. But great, so that's good. Um, and we have... I mean, one of the things... Ashad is a great character. Uh, I don't think it was utilised fully to his uh, potential. But in that introductory story uh, in Villa Diodanti, uh he's fantastic and a real threat and very creepy. So yeah, it was a bit of a talking point, like his his whole backstory, and mm. um, how he he uh, kind of wanted to be converted, and he lost. Did he lose a family? Perhaps. Yes, yes, I think he did, um, and he was rejected as well. Yeah. So, so actually, you know, I'm I'm pleased that Chris Chibnall, you went, you know, I've got this story can be really atmospheric and be really creepy and all the rest of it. You know, may contradict Big Finish, but it's too good a story. I'm going to tell it. So I'm pleased he did, and I think that's actually the the, the right approach. And my sort of thing is going. You can't be entirely focused on continuity all the time. You, especially with a show like this, which has gone on for decades loads of spin-off media you'll just tie yourself in knots and it'll it'll drive you nuts at the end of the day you've got these stories enjoy them simple as that really so the master's doing a bit of hypnotizing as we're speaking mm-hmm. uh which is With yeah because he uh he's hypnotizing the the russian royal family that was nice to see having that brought back I can't remember the last time that we saw the master hypnotize anyone. In the new era, mm. possibly not. Yeah. Um, so it it was nice to to see that back, and obviously he's completely in well, really, he's effectively completely in control of Russia at that point. Mm. Um, so that's quite that's quite creepy. Yeah, and it was uh, and it was shot well. So on the planet, is it planetized moon? The, the, the cyber moon. Yeah, yeah, and cyber. the TARDIS arrives. Yeah. And we get the Masters, other TARDIS there, mm-hmm. with, um, with them ha-ha all over the front. Yeah, channeling, channeling the Joker. Yeah, it was good. Obviously, they've recycled the main TARDIS set. Yeah. Which is completely fine, because mm-hmm. we know the nature of TARDISes. You know, they can change and look however they want, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a different colour scheme. Yeah. Um, and But, I mean, we had master... that in the classic, uh, the classic era. I mean, one of the yes, things that I did. did really like when Anthony Ailey was the master, when we saw inside his TARDIS, which was basically the Doctors, but painted <laughs> black. But I always thought that looked cool. Uh so yeah it's exactly the same thing so yeah totally and we know that the master's completely ransacked and taken everything from Gallifrey Mm. because he's got he took the technology to do the forced regeneration yeah and he's obviously got himself a new TARDIS yeah from Gallifrey so I think she said it was a a type 70 odd hmm um, when did the Master last have a TARDIS? Was it fairly recently? Uh, was it in, in um, Skyfall? Spyfall? 
Oh yes, uh, it was looking very uh, Wicked Witch of the West. Mm. It was actually the uh, the uh, the hut the hut house thing. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it has um, the master's new TARDIS had a more deeper, distant cloister bell ring. Mm-hmm. Didn't sound healthy. No, no, it didn't. But then, the, you know, he had completely gutted the TARDIS out. Oh, yeah. So they go outside and that child is restrained and it's revealed to be the big energy thing, whatever she calls it. Yeah, I've forgotten, I've forgotten the name of it. The Cybermen arrive. Are they just dirty? Are they more black? Yeah, they did, they did oh. seem to have a... Or was it just a trick of the light? Darker shade. But then, you know, there were quite a lot of shots in the uh, the unit basement, wasn't there? True, yeah. yeah. So the the Doctor receives a summons from Kate Stewart, and they're re- the Doctor's then reunited with Ace and Tegan. Mm-hmm. Do we have any thoughts on, on that? I think Tegan is possibly a bit resentful. Yeah, which or... uh I didn't I didn't quite like if I was uh, if if I'm honest. She decided to leave at the end of Resurrection of the Daleks. That was her decision. Um she entered it willingly. The the, the, the doctor didn't want to to end like this, but you know, she said, you know, she has to, she's sorry. Uh which in the you know, context of the story makes complete sense. But that was the decision she made. To then be resentful of the Doctor for, you know, not, you know... Do you think perhaps she thought he would come back? Yeah, maybe. But uh, I, I don't know, it, it didn't quite... Um, I thought it would have been quite nice if, if they were a bit more... If they were a bit warmer. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Yeah, I was a bit puzzled about Tegan's response. Mm. Um, but maybe it's just um, a state of mind she's in because it's been such a long time. Yeah. Um, you think in that respect she'd be quite excited to see him, though. Um, no fairness, the, do- the Doctor's reaction was a bit odd as well. <laughs> doesn't the Doctor like to distance him or herself from past relationships or past lives? A little bit, but I mean, from what we've seen, you know, if you look at David Tennant's Doctor's reaction to when he sees Sarah Jane. Yes. You know, he's he's overjoyed. When Matt Smith sees Joe Grant, you know. Mm, yeah, uh, that was different. Yeah, and I appreciate the, the different, uh, obviously different different interpretations of the character but i would i would have thought that jodie whittaker's interpretation of the, the doctor she would be she would be happy to see them as well so yeah. th- that whole scene i just for me didn't quite gel i didn't think it it rang true to who their characters were yeah so yeah i'd be interested to have like a better understanding of that yeah i mean don't get me wrong i mean obviously from both their perspectives they haven't seen each other in a long time so i wasn't you know i'm not expecting going hey it's like it's (laughs) like i hadn't seen you since yesterday i'm not i'm not saying that i just think a a little bit warmer and a little bit friendlier that Mm. initial scene seemed a bit too cold so back at the unit hq the master is being escorted to the bunker Mm -hmm. and he he has an opportunity to kind of interact with the characters that are there the first being Kate, who, of course, has met the Master before, and she's got a bit of family history there with her father. Um, 
so he has a little dig there and says, your father was an idiot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, then he says to Tegan about her Auntie Vanessa. Yep. And, uh, and then um, Ace. <laughs> and doesn't he say like, oh, or should I say Dorothy? Like a little, is that an insult? Um, but then he does mention that the doctor had ditched her. So this is kind of the first on-screen reference of what's happened between her and Seven. Yeah, apparently they had a, a falling out, an argument. Yeah. Does that sit well with you? Um, and we can talk about that more, maybe, with the interaction between the two of them. But um, what's your thoughts? Um, I didn't mind it. I mean, I'm, I'm much... Rep- I'm. I much as a preference, I do prefer Ace having lived and not died. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm pleased that didn't happen. Um, yeah, I don't I don't mind it too much. Yeah, I, th- I think it's fine. How about you? Um. Yeah, I guess it's fine, and I'm guessing it's reasonably soon after season twenty six. Do you th- do you think that didn't leave much room for a crap load of other adventures? I suppose it does mean adventures. that a lot of, you know, arguably it could be said that a lot of the new adventures perhaps didn't happen. I don't know. Um, yeah. But the fact that she says that, you know, she hasn't seen the Doctor in 30 years would mean that that takes it to 1992. So, Rob, Dimensions and Time is no longer canon. Oh, dear. Yeah. So Chris Chibnall has retconned Dimensions in Time. How dare you? No. Pat Butcher belongs in Doctor Who. She does. (laughs) Um, We get a mention to the the cheetah. Yes, yeah. The last time I saw you, you were half cat. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously a reference to survival. So Tegan and Ace, um, back at the unit headquarters, see the Cyberman doll on the floor. And the master admits sending it to her, all part of his plan. And then it grows to full size, turns out to be a Russian doll. And um, a whole squadron of Cybermen emerge from that. Yeah. That's when we have the the brand new Ashad. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And he did say he'd cloned him, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, just because. Uh, Yeah, well, yeah, I think, because didn't he basically, yeah didn't he destroy him last time so yeah. to he was like a bomb yeah so to sort of uh we need to bring him back uh the master cloned him because why not like literally to the detail yeah yeah of course <laughs> yeah tegan and ace open fire but gold doesn't work because they've overcome that mm-hmm. Ashad frees the master. I mean, I can't quite understand why it was part of the master's plan to to uh, to get kidnapped by a unit, only to then be rescued by the escape. But anyway, yeah. Yaz returns to the TARDIS after the Doctor's taken, and she's able to pilot it. Has she done this much before? Uh, I think so. Uh, I don't think so. But it was it was nice to see, and I liked how you know she'd made notes and she was putting post-it notes all over the place, and yeah, um, I mean, yeah, and I, I I liked that actually. 
Um, it, it made sense of, of the character and it, it made her proactive, uh, which is one of the problems that the, this era of Doc, Doctor Who's had, uh, where you've got a really good actress, a potentially really good character, but it was constantly sidelined. That has been rectified with recent stories, thankfully. And yeah, the, this was great to see Yaz being proactive and being able to pilot the TARDIS. It's good. Yeah, it is good. So back at Unit HQ, Ace gets the parachutes out and she's got her old jacket and the baseball bat of Omega is there too. Um, yeah, Rob, how many... She, she how, just stashed it in the floor. How many of your uh, jackets from a teenager have you kept? Like, she went on a formal visit to Unit HQ. Mm-hmm. Then she discreetly put her jacket and baseball bat and some parachutes in the floor. Yeah. Uh, has she been doing this everywhere she goes for the past 30 years? Yeah, it's it's normal behaviour, Rob. What aren't you getting? <laughs> yeah. It, uh, odd. It, it, it's obviously, let's have Ace wear her famous, uh, famous jacket uh, on top of all the other continuity references that we're throwing at this damn thing. So, so, yeah. so why not? But it's just like, yeah, because we all keep the clothes that we wore... <laughs> when we were 18 like, how long has that been there did she literally stash it earlier on in the episode uh yeah if she did i can't remember but like it's a new building kate hasn't even signed the lease yet yeah <laughs> no she hasn't <laughs> yeah so we get the forced regeneration scene mm-hmm. it mirrors on many occasion when the doctor well, sorry when the master has tried to steal the doctor's lives yep uh, and a bit um, of a reference to Troughton to Pertwee, because uh, that you know that that was a forced regeneration. So, yeah, yeah. And um, well, I was the doctor said, well, you you don't have the capability to do that. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, can you not just kill someone to force them to regenerate? I think it me. I, I I know what you mean. It's a good point, but I think. Um, a controlled regeneration. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Doctor does regenerate into the Master, leaving his old body kind of lifeless. Mm-hmm. So the Master wants to go out and about, cause a lot of trouble, get a really bad rep as the Doctor. And he wants Yaz there as his companion. So he has a new outfit of all bits and pieces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, most notably, like, McCoy's jumper. Um, have you not got McCoy's jumper? <laughs> no. I've got I've no. got the umbrella. It, it it ends there. I don't know what else he's got. Um, Maybe he a has bow tie. McCoy's jumper, uh, Davison's celery, Baker's scarf. Uh, he's got Troughton's recorder. I think yeah. it might be a ten and tie. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. And I think Capaldi's shirt it could be Troughton's bow tie. No, oh, ten and tie. Yeah. Sorry, no, not a bow tie. Mm. Okay. And and obviously still wearing Whitaker's coat. So I think it's a good look. <laughs> yeah. Yaz pushes him out of the TARDIS and leaves him behind. Mm-hmm. But because this whole episode is playing out the way he planned. He's reasonably sure she's going to come back for him. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem concerned. So the Doctor, um, 13th Doctor, is dead. But her consciousness 
um, is now somewhere and she meets David Bradley's first doctor. Were you surprised to see David Bradley? Um, and did you think we might see anyone else? As soon as David Bradley's first doctor came up, I thought, ah, right, which other doctors are we going to see? Uh, I was surprised at how many it was. I was very surprised, delightfully surprised uh, when Colin Baker turned up. Because I thought, you yeah. know, I thought that was great. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, seeing Bradley's first doctor, I wasn't thrilled if I, no. uh, if, if, if I was honest, but uh, all right, here, here we go. Um, but he's going to end up having more screen time than Hartnell. Oh God, I know. Um, nothing towards uh, David Bradley. Um, it's it's got more to do with. It's it's a reasonably good performance. I, I think it's it's very difficult to to nail Hartnell's Doctor. Yes, and and we, we've said this before. I much prefer Richard Hurdnell's performance in the five doctors he he manages but again it's it's not perfect he he gets the sort of the grouchy element of hartnell's doctor reasonably well but he doesn't get the the softer edge whereas bradley has the opposite i think he you know he he's you get the gentle element of his doctor but you don't get the spikiness there but no. but the problem that i have with with bradley's doctor in the past has got more to do with how he was written in twice upon a time than 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 anything else really that's the that's mm-hmm. the main issue that i have um but yeah it was it was great seeing uh peter davison back it was great seeing colin baker i'm so pleased they included uh, the sixth doctor um see mccoy mm-hmm. but of course i think like everyone it's it was just great to see uh paul mcgann back as well yeah i noticed online some people were happy that we finally had Colin Baker transition into McCoy on screen. Uh, I never thought of that, actually, but that that's a good point. Um, yeah. Uh, apparently, there were... Um, they had intended to get Tom Baker in as well. Um, okay. But um, apparently he was unavailable. This has caused some rumours. Some people have thought that... Uh, his unavailability has been due to recording for the forthcoming episodes of Doctor Who. I thought that might be a possibility. Um, you might presume it could be for age or health. Yeah, but I do know that he's an active person. Yes, that is true. But uh, I, I would hope it's the former. It'd be great if, it, if you know, I would much rather he was unavailable because he was he was acting. Um, yeah. Than he was unavailable because of his because of his age and health uh but and it if, is a possibility if he, that. if he was available for the 60th then maybe they might have held off on him in this one yeah um it's a possibility it's a possibility i didn't feel like anything was lost but by not having tom baker with all due respect to him because you know he, he's great we all love him to bits um but it was fantastic when he was at the 50th anniversary and i'm pleased he was involved with that it was it was great. Yeah. I was just over the moon that you know we got Colin Baker uh, in in particular. I was pleased yes. he was there. Uh, I've always hoped they would bring them back. Yeah. Um, in a scenario like this, and just have them as their current age. Yes. 
and that's kind of precisely what they got. It it, it was neither one of them kind of well, they all kind of stole the moment in their own way, but um, I wonder if we'll ever get something with them kind of on their own. I would, I would like to. I would like to see them come back at least one more time. Um, and maybe have a bit more presence, like yeah. um, the tangibly on set with people. Yes. As well. Uh, there the was a bit of distance here cause, because... Um, it's in the Doctor's Whereas, mind. yes, and we don't necessarily see Jodie Whittaker interacting with them in the same shot. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, it causes a bit of distance there, and um, the fact that it's not really a relocation—you have to suspend your disbelief there. So, something more, more genuine, and get them in the same room together would would also be good. Mm-hmm. Um, am I ruining that moment? <laughs> no, no, I, I totally get what you mean because th- there are great things about it, but the, the um, it's what you've said is totally valid and really what it is it would be quite nice to get them back a bit more involved and as you say a bit more a bit more tangible and yeah. I'm not wishing to get too morbid but you know it, it happens to us all but the actors uh, they are getting older yeah mm. so before we move on we'll have to mention um, McGann doesn't like robes and we'll have he was the um, the odd one out. Yeah, uh, but but you know I like that. Uh, that is a great costume for Paul McGann. So to see him uh, in that costume again was great, and I liked how it was referred to in the dialogue. I liked how Jodie Whittaker appears. You know, sort of goes, "Why aren't you wearing robes?" His response, and then going back to Sylvester McCoy, going, "There's always one." Uh, I liked that. I thought that was quite. Yeah, you know, that was nice possibly a bit of foreshadowing earlier on because I'm pretty sure the the Rasputin master said that he always dresses for the occasion in some way oh did I imagine that I'm sure he said that to the doctor may, may have been uh, and uh, I thought ooh that, that's a reference yes and when the when eight said he doesn't do robes I thought is that also a reference to the master in robes <laughs> you know what that's a really good point i never picked up on that you're probably right it's a, yeah it's probably another reference i didn't get it's quite a, yeah yeah maybe yeah maybe yeah yeah probably is um and also mcgann noticeably older could he still pull off um his night of the doctor era i think he could oh. uh and I just want one of the great things that that came out. People are people want Paul McGann back as the Doctor, even if it's just yeah. for one series, say ten, thirteen episodes. I was like, come on, that would be amazing. He's a damn good actor. Uh, he was superb casting for the Doctor, and in terms of you know, um, you know, being in the television series. Give him a full episode. A Disney spin-off. You know what? It's the one spin-off <laughs> that I would really love to happen. Not bothered about anything else. We don't need any other spin-offs. 
that this is the one we need. We need a Paul McGann series. Yeah. Oh, um, one thing I noticed on second viewing, when the doc when the thirteenth Doctor is meeting her past selves, she's wearing a dark variation of her outfit. Yes, the the blue the, coat, the one that the fugitive Doctor was wearing in the Flux flashbacks. Yeah, but presented as Jodie, and also the entity that was Time at the end of Flux was also wearing the dark um, outfit. Yeah. So it's like, it, so I suppose it, it meant that that was the version of her costume with things coming to an end. Yeah. So if she crosses over, like mentally, you know, completely, you know, anyway, yeah, that would mean, yeah, that would mean it's coming to the end. Yeah, totally. So Ace goes to take a leap off the top of the building. Tegan doesn't want to do that. She wants to stay and right the wrong that she's done because she brought the Cybermen into the building. Mm. So she got... Also, she, she didn't really want to jump off the roof, did she? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Any bloody excuse not to jump off the top of a I'm building. I'm going to be brave and go back downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> so she goes back down. The blast doors close. Uh, Ace jumps off the roof. So we get a bit of an action sequence... She's getting shot down and she has a very impressive entrance into the TARDIS. Do you like that? Yeah, I could... Uh, I sort of saw that coming. I thought that that's what would... that would That's what would happen. We've, we've Obviously, we've seen it before, particularly with their River Song in that Angels episode with Matt Smith. So let's talk about the hologram appearing to Tegan. We get Davison interacting with her again. Mm-hmm. It was a nice scene. Did you think so? It's my favorite scene in the episode. Yeah, um, I love. Uh, um, I loved seeing Peter Davison back, uh, still looking good with his with his own. That's his own costume. He had that tailored and made for him, and he bought it. That's his. Oh right, okay. Um, That's cool. So wearing that costume looks great. The interaction between him and Tegan. I never would have imagined the name drop of Adric would really get me. <laughs> you know what? It nearly. It, uh, I almost cried. Uh, so to me, this is like the most emotional scene mm. in the episode. But yeah, it's that bit with and the whole brave heart. Yeah, I love. I just loved it because, I suppose, it goes into sense of nostalgia uh for us we're very familiar with the classic series of doctor who we still love it Earth's i mean we've we've reviewed earth shock uh it's your favorite uh, story from the davison era and it's a classic story and the death of adric it 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 was a big television moment you know doctor who fans obviously remember it's been referenced in loads of really odd obscure things over the years I was saying that to my wife when we watched it. Mm. I was like, Adric dying? That was like when Deirdre went to prison. <laughs> the whole country just didn't like... Uh, maybe I was exaggerating. No, I think the reaction to Deirdre was even more bonkers. Funny enough, someone mentioned that at work last week. Um, just how bonkers all that was. This is how bonkers it was. Uh, for, for those who have no idea what we're talking about, um, Coronation Street is a British soap opera which has been going on since the 1960s, longer than Doctor Who, in fact, and continuous. It's And in the late 90s, there was a popular character 
who had I forgot what the storyline was, Rob, but she was falsely imprisoned. So there was this whole thing about free Deirdre. Tony Blair mentioned it during Prime Minister's questions. Oh, yeah, really? that's how insane it got. He didn't mention Adric, though. Well, no, he wasn't Prime Minister. You know, <laughs> wasn't Prime Minister in the early eighties. But um, but as a historical fact, as a historical you know, fact, yeah. But yeah, it's got referenced in all sorts of things uh, over the years, and um, yeah, it was a, it was a big moment, and having that having that moment between you know with with Tegan Gold, yeah, with a, what do you think I'm thinking with um, with all these Cybermen. And the way that Peter Davison just says, Adric. Oh, it did get me, I've got to admit. It's like, hold it, Liam, don't cry. Uh, it was a bit... I was actually surprised. And Janet Fielding's so emotive with her face. Yes, yeah, so it's just like, oh, Tegan. Um, yeah, it was just a really, with so few lines said, just wonderfully performed. It was, it was a great scene. It was just like, right, Braveheart. And just like, and then he goes, "What?" It's like, "I missed you. I missed you too." What's written and how they deliver that? Ah, oh, just ah, oh, it was the best scene. It really yeah. was. It's also one of the reasons why I don't think the story works. But I'll get onto that towards the end. But yes. it was a great, great scene, and I loved it. Ah. Oh. I have actually gone on YouTube a few times just to watch it because the, the, someone's uploaded just that just that scene and I have gone back and watched it a few times. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help it. It's good. And you get a, a and you get a similar scene uh between uh Ace and the Seventh Doctor. We do in the volcano. It's yeah, n- moments after. It's not quite as good. But it's still good. It is good. And you know the best bit about it? We're ace. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then McCoy, he seems quite emotional. His little chin wag. Yeah. Did you notice that he has his uh, jumper tucked into his trousers like time in the Rani? No. (laughs) Just a bit weird. That's attention to detail. But that is attention to detail. Um, But yeah, just go, oh, we're good. Oh, what was it? Uh, we're more than good. We're better than good. We're race. I love how uh, McCoy delivers that line because there's something about it. It's it's very Seventh Doctor, but it's also just pure McCoy as well. It was like that that wonderful blending between the character and the actor, and you're kind of getting both. Yeah, it, it was. And they've got such a genuine relationship in real life. Yes, that is true. Yeah. Um, we have another character pop up, which came as a complete surprise. Who's that? Uh, I've forgotten the character's name now. Graham. Graham. Yes, Graham. Yeah. It's like, whoa, what? What? Didn't see, honestly didn't see that coming. Yeah. So, so he's out and about saving the world with his um with his ID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So he's been drawn here because of the Daleks. Yeah. Big happy coincidence. Um. Do you think? Ace and Graham will get together. No, but it was. I mean, it was nice to see them uh, together in the same scene. I mean, coincidence, Rob. You're not. You're not kidding. I mean, it really stretches uh, uh, <laughs> all credibility. Well, it's just, just like this is ridiculous. It's a load of crap. But you know what? I quite like it. We've we've got Graham back. It 
he's I'm just, just arrived inside the volcano. Yeah, it stupid. Uh, but you know what? I'm just gonna go with it. <laughs> yeah, stranger things have happened. Like what? Well, everything. <laughs> oh yeah. Vinda. He wasn't even on the same planet. He just arrived yeah. through a wormhole. <laughs> Completely pointless. He knew here. Waste yeah. of a character. I suppose he gets to point a gun at the master, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. So Kate has a plan to get out of the building and destroy it. So um, Tegan's going down to the basement. Kate um, kind of summons Ashad and kind of makes a deal and um, gives herself up, yeah? Mm-hmm. So she's going to get converted. I was genuinely concerned that she would get converted. I was also a bit more concerned that the brigadier was going to show up and save her. Oh, the, <laughs> the cyber brig. Oh, God, no. I thought, For all the faults of Chris it... Chibnall, if he brought that one back, it'd be like, oh, you absolute hack. Um, yeah. No. I, I thought maybe, maybe it's been building up to this. <laughs> Maybe, but... Maybe. I I saw a bit of a similarity with Yvonne Hartman, who was the leader of Torchwood 1 in the the Ghost 2 part. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that crossed she, my mind as well. She willingly went mm-hmm. um, to be converted and she was able to break free of the conditioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought something similar might happen, but thankfully not. No, no. Um, didn't know I cared so much. <laughs> Ashad hears Tegan through the wall. So they're all punching the wall and, and shooting at Tegan. And then she just jumps and drops. Yeah, or goes a bit in the Where Matrix. Where does she land? The Matrix, like um, like the Keanu Reeves one or the Doctor Who one? Oh, yeah, sorry. The Keanu Reeves one. You know when they're hiding right, uh, from Agent Smith and they're hiding in the walls? Yeah, oh, yes. I was literally thinking, when did this happen? <laughs> the, in the ultimate four, I don't think it was. Yeah, sorry, Rob. Yeah, uh, the the Matrix of film. Yeah, yeah, it was, mm. wasn't it? So, so when Tegan jumped into the abyss below, did we see her land? Uh, actually, Chris Chibnall missed uh, another continuity point in here. You could have give T, you know, could have had a companion with a sprained ankle. Doesn't uh, doesn't Tegan have a line in this saying that she was once an air st- airline stewardess in uh, in the eighties and it's not as worse as anything that she's faced since? Yeah, when she's when she's talking to Kate, <laughs> when she says that she shouldn't be. Here. Yeah, and I did yeah. like that line. I thought, yeah. So at gunpoint, um, Vinda and Yaz send the master back into the machine, and. Um, they kind of de- force de- degenerate him, so the thirteenth Doctor returns, but also they use the regeneration energy from the from the Cybermen who are on the floor, uh-huh. because they are what do we call those? Cyberlords, Cybermasters, no. Cyber Cybermasters, yes. The fugitive Doctor says, "See you around. Might see her again." Yeah. Is she an unresolved plot thread? Uh, 
Well, yes, in a sense that we know she was a prehartal doctor, mm-hmm. but she had a police box and she had this no-gun rule and all this doctory stuff that wasn't established yet. Oh, uh, yeah, that's actually true, yeah. There is a lot that still needs to be answered with her, yeah. It's like, I want answers, but I just want them to move on from it. This yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tegan and Kate escape just before the building comes down. And um, Tegan's like, yes, I will come and say the TARDIS thanks. And then we have um, the whole extended farm around the TARDIS. So a bit like Journey's End. Mm. But which do you prefer? Which scene, rather? Which, which Not which story? Um, I think Journey's End. It's nice. a lot more... F- it's a bit more fun. And actually more memorable in a funny sort of way because i remember i i remember that scene more and particularly with the True. with with donna wanting to get uh, a hug from um captain jack uh and all that and, and jackie can't touch anything <laughs> yes so you know th- jackie, there's all that uh, no <laughs> whereas i know this is much more recent i can't remember much of the version that we see in he- here yeah pretty much it was everybody everyone stand around and just do something. Hmm. Um, the doctor says goodbye to Vinda because she fixes his ship. And he's away. Do you think that's the last of him? Or do you want more of him? Um, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't mind if he if he would have come back. Because as I said, uh, I do like the actor and I do like the character. But I, I do think hmm. this will probably be the, the, the end that we see of him. And Possibly, the, yeah. the fact that this was his return. It says, uh, this was a wasted opportunity. Yeah. Shame. So the master arrives um, on board his own TARDIS and then he has a bit of a face-off with the doctor outside. And while he's dying, he gets the creature to shoot the doctor. So now she's dying as well. Yep. So Yaz carries the doctor back in her arms and we have the scene where she looks up and she mentions her extended fam which is a phrase she used way back in Resolution. And then the planet's destroyed, and um, it turns out Yaz has dropped off everyone in Croydon. <laughs> right, yeah. And then the cloister bell rings because she's starting to regenerate. So we'll have a goodbye with Yaz. We never get a big embrace or a kiss or a happy ending to them, which um, some people had wanted. <laughs> I don't see how that would have helped move things forward if they'd done that, because then they would have had it had to like part ways anyway. So I think I think they handled it quite well. Do you think they did, or do you think they teased more and didn't um, deliver on it? I could see where people were coming from that you know uh, a kiss would have been nice, but um, I think that that was never really going to be on the cards given the scene that they had sort of like addressing the the romantic uh, feelings that um, Yaz had for the Doctor in the Sea Devil episode. But yeah, I think it would have been nice at least if they they embraced and again, it it felt like a, you know, we we see them have an ice cream. But that final moment when Yaz steps out the TARDIS and the Doctor closing the door and all that, I don't know, again, it felt a little bit unsatisfying especially is because mm. then there's no let's 
focus on the emotion it's immediately we then have uh graham and uh brian comes back he he does so we have we we have yas and the doctor parting ways which should be quite a big moment arguably leading so did you say did you say ryan what brian did you who said comes back dan dan sorry yeah i was saying i was calling him brian Brian? for some reason yeah and i was like yeah (laughs) brian I knew who you yeah, meant. Yeah, yeah, knew who but, I meant. Um, we never got Ryan though. Yeah, it would I, be nice to get Tosin Cole. Yeah, back. He he could have came up on his bike, ringing his bell, like, "Hey, everyone." Yeah, but that would have addressed a a, a needless plot point, which should have been whatever. Chris Chibnall was never going to do that. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah. Um, so, you know, this big moment that you know of Yaz leaving the Doctor and then focus on the emotion of that before then leading into the regeneration you're suddenly Yaz has left the doctor oh these two have shown up mm. I was like oh right okay so yeah I do think so, the, the departure between Yaz and the doctor was, was unsatisfactory I do I do agree with that yeah bit of a um, tough response from the doctor when she says I need to do the rest alone mm. um, because of course she wa- she wanted to say goodbye to Yaz as herself, I guess. And she'll be a new person. Yeah, so they go to this meeting. So who's there? Uh, well, uh, we have Joe Jones is there. We have mm-hmm. Melanie Bush is there. Don't know how she got back to mm-hmm. Earth after Dragonfire, but anyway, she's there, which was, was quite, which, which was nice. Uh, obviously, we have uh, Graham and Dan is there, and of course, great surprise! It's just like Ian Chesterton. Yeah, that was a again. Didn't see that, and it was it was just nice to Not see William all. Russell back. Uh, on finally, yeah. I mean, obviously, I've seen him in stuff. Uh, I remember he was an episode of Heartbeat at one point. Um, all right. And we had him for a brief scene in the oh, um, Adventures in Time and the Space special Adventures in Time and Space when he was the um, BBC doorman, the kind of doorman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but to have him uh, see him back as Ian Chesterton in Doctor Who, uh, it was yeah, that was nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's he's about ninety eight. Wow. 98. Nearly as old as the BBC. Bloody hell. Yeah, you're right. He is. Yeah, just by short of two years. Right, this brings us to uh, that that scene. Now, before sitting down to watch this, I said to my wife, I said, okay, so this episode is going to end with David Tennant saying, what? 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 And I was right. <laughs> Yeah. How else was it going to end, really? And it really surprised me. I've spoke to so many people after watching it. I was so surprised that David Tennant's back. And I'm like, blows my mind. Like, this was announced before Flux. <laughs> You're right, it was. Um, like, it was, on, it was on the news. David Tennant and Catherine Tate are back. Yes. Um, so we knew that they were coming back. Again, another reference. Uh, mm, I recognise these teeth. Uh, 
it's a bit off. Something doesn't quite make sense. What you know? Uh, Are you doing an in- internal monologue of what's going on, tenants? No, 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 no. Uh, no. I'm externalizing my my inner monologue because um, his clothes regenerate as well. Yes. Okay. So I've seen shots of. I think it's an article in Doctor Who magazine about this. Do you know anything about the the why his clothes changed? Uh, I'll just put it down to that. There's some perception about his regeneration, which is being mucked up, but maybe not. What's the reason? Well, I think I I can't quite quote it. So I'll just get to paraphrase it. Um, Russell T. Davis had said he always knew the clothes would regenerate. Um, of course, Sasha Dewan changed and he did have Jodie's clothes on. Um, if he did the same with David Tennant, um, he thought, well, that's the only image people would have David Tennant in what people consider to be women's clothes. And he, he did explain it well, but, um, yeah, he didn't, he didn't really want that to happen. Oh, okay. Um, and I guess also for like, um, for new audiences coming in on the next special, do we want him running, running around, um, in her clothes? I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's. It's very noticeable, like, oh, the clothes are changing. Um, and I guess, did um, William Hartnell to Troughton, technically, did his clothes change? Yes. Uh, not least of all his trousers. Um, his trousers regenerated along with uh, with him. So Everyone's like, I can't wait to find out what the explanation is. I don't think there'll be one. Do you? No, and I, to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't really want to have a sort of like explain the clothes. It doesn't really matter. I just want to just tell a damn good story, please. So yeah, yeah. All right. Shall see if we've got any responses. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Christopher Brett Hall said, "I really enjoyed it. I wish that the entire run of Chimnall's time as showrunner was this good. I do feel it probably should have been." a two-parter and I worry the regeneration might have killed some of the impact of the drama of the final scenes Steve Hyatt said just two words Ian Chesterton or should that be Chatterton hmm. um, is that a, is that a mispronunciation from Hartnell or somebody yeah yeah but a deliberate one yeah three years younger than the BBC itself it was a simply wonderful episode and possibly my favourite of Jodie's era. I miss her already. Wow, okay. So uh Yeah, I thought it was a thought it was a good departure and uh Yeah, missing Jodie. Uh, oh, okay, well, that's good. Please enjoyed it. Uh Sonia got in touch. Hi Sonia. Um she said I really liked it. The forced regen part was a little weird. Loved the use of past doctors and companions. Really happy we saw the fugitive doctor, mm. but wish we we'd resolved more timeless child stuff. I do agree with that, but I'm not overly upset we didn't. Also agree with <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It yeah, it was fun, nostalgic, and while I was hoping they wouldn't regen into ten, 
I'm intrigued by how it's done since the, cl- the clothes were regenerated too. Uh-huh. And with the preview, it's clearly that something is wrong. I also loved Jodie's last lines, more playful and helpful than past years. Also loved the recipe and dance moment. <laughs> All right, okay. Rob Keeley got in touch. It was like a massive, great piece of fan fiction and absolutely wonderful. A great celebration uh, for the BBC's centenary. Strong, if complex, storyline. And not a preachy moment in sight. If only old Geordie's era had been this good. Can't believe we now have to wait another year, though. And of course, he's done a what <laughs> gift from a tenant. Alexander Grogan said... Ra-ra Rasputin, lover of the Russian queen, you have to sing and dance to it. Is that a demand? <laughs> I hope not. So that's that's responses done for this week. Um, I, I've just forgotten, Liam, that we're just in the middle of nowhere in a building. Is it about time we set off? Yeah, I mean, I thought people would have turned up. I mean, it's a this is the most boring adventure ever. <laughs> yeah, just feudal Japan live up to your expectations, Rob. No, I, you know what? I don't think it is feudal Japan. What do you think it is? It's just the English countryside. What, with a Padoga building, a uh, tower? Yeah. Anyway, let's let's set off for home. <laughs> um, Maybe we can have another adventure on the way home. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, we'll... We'll call it the power of the cloister bell. Mm. Oh, yes, I like that. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. we'll make it a bonus episode, eh? Good idea. Yeah. Before we do that... So, any fight Before we do that, yes. I was just going to say, should we... should we... Should we go outside? Yes. Okay, I'll get the door. Come on. Right, let's go stretch our legs. Have a little walk back to the um, the TARDIS. So, obviously, we, we've talked about the episode in depth, but should we summarize it what we think of it okay i'll go first for my summary there was a lot of enjoyable moments in in it i did enjoy the episode but um it didn't resolve as much as i was expecting from the past three series Mm -hmm. it didn't do some of the characters justice with their departures Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, there's always time in the in the show for fan service, um, bringing back old characters. I don't think a f- a final story is the time to do that if it um, takes away from the main characters. Um, but there was a lot to like there. I did I did like having the past doctors back, and even though a lot of it. The story just didn't make sense. It was it was a bit of fun. But when we started this in 2018, um, I did have higher hopes for the whole run. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And as time's gone on, it's... You know, we, we all have our favourite stories. We all have our favourite periods uh, and so on. But there's never been a time before when I've went oh there's an entire era I dislike I now have that with the Jodie Whittaker era that isn't to say that there's there's not 
there's stuff in there to actually enjoy and appreciate and there's you know there's stuff of worth in there but all, you know and there's good stories the cast are great etc but um on the whole it has has been a bit disappointing but going on with the story uh the power of the doctor it's not a failure um and i'm it it was great with our listeners feedback and i'm so pleased that a lot of people enjoyed it and got a lot out of it and that was really really nice to hear in fact we did do a poll which we'll check out after this all right okay great uh be interested to to see the results of that uh by the sounds of it i'm expecting that most people are going to say that they really enjoyed it uh, enjoyed it and thought it was good for me uh i don't appreciate the episode uh, as much um i think the the storyline was too convoluted um i think it needed a, a leaner approach for one thing um but i thought the cast were really good i think on the whole it was directed uh very well uh the music as always was was very good um and it you know it was it was visually striking so it looked good um but the the best you know, when we're talking about the, those moments that I like, which were the fan service moments, particularly with, you know, we had Ian Chesterton back at the end, which was, was great to see. Those moments between, you know, where we had the previous Doctors come back, that was lovely. My favourite scene is that moment between the Fifth Doctor and Tegan. I generally love that scene. It's also one of the reasons why I think this episode doesn't work, and, and you touched on it, Rob, as well, because this is Jodie Whittaker's last story. It should be the last hurrah of her character. And yet, it's not what I take from this episode. Because there's far too many things to distract from that. You know, when I think of, you know, things, you know, going even back as far as the classic era with things like the War Games and Planet Spiders and Logopolis and the Caves of Androzani. And even with the the new era with uh, the end of time and so on and so forth. Um, the great Doctor Who final stories are those that you know they focus on that Doctor, and there's nothing to detract from that, and it's it's their their last hurrah. Uh, Peter Capaldi didn't get that, funnily enough, um, with Twice Upon a Time because of bringing the first Doctor in and tying that all in. I didn't think it was a particularly satisfying episode, but it's much better than this for that because there's just too much to distract from the fact that. Jodie Whittaker has now left the series and for me there are as I said there are great wonderful things about this episode but those things that I really enjoy have nothing to do with the fact that Jodie Whittaker regenerates at the end um Mm. so from that point of view it's a it's a shame really so it all comes down to your final score good average or bad oh it's, it's not bad uh yeah, definitely wouldn't rank it that. But um, I know I'm. I think I'm at complete odds for a lot of people because a lot of people have, have loved the episode since immediately following its uh, broadcast uh, and subsequent. And obviously, a lot of um, listeners really love it, which is great. But for me, I've got to give it average. I'm afraid. How about you? Cautiously, like I'm gonna give it a good. Mm-hmm. But on the average side of good. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not absolutely belter, just just kind of mm. good. 
Um, so we'll look at this poll now of the 41 who pe- people who voted. Um, yeah, nearly 83% said it was good. No, that's high. Okay. And um, almost 15 average and yeah, it's like 2 or 3% percent Right, bad. okay. I don't read too much online, so I haven't heard much, if any, criticism towards it. Um, but maybe people do kind of agree with us. I don't know. But we've got plenty of time to talk about um, reflecting on the series and looking forward to what we expect from Tenant and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, so we can do some of that maybe in the the upcoming bonus. Yes, we will be doing that. So and then, uh, for our Patreon supporters, we uh, they have access to our bonus episodes, of which there are a few. So yes, we will be doing a bonus episode, uh, which our patrons will have access to. And what we'll be doing there is uh, we'll, we'll, we will be reviewing uh, the Jodie Whittaker, as a, Jodie Whittaker era as a, as a whole. Uh, We've also had some suggestions from our patrons because they are co-producing the episode of the podcast. Yes, uh, Sonia, who's a dedicated listener and a patron supporter, has also said that when we're reviewing uh, the Jodie Whittaker era, uh, focus on the positives. Uh, and I think actually that that would be quite a nice thing to do. We will try. Yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but I, I've taken that on board and I'm thinking about it because there, there are, you know, as I said, it's my least favourite era, but there are good things to talk about. And... Um, It'd be quite nice to actually for me to talk about those good things for a change rather than mm-hmm. I'm a bit disappointed with it. I think we're all sick of hearing it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try and focus on the positives because there is stuff. There yeah. is good stuff to talk about. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, big special celebrating the end of the Jodie Baker's era and also celebrating four years of the podcast, I guess. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for listening today. We're going to head back to the TARDIS mm-hmm. now. Um, go on my next little trip on the main podcast next week what's coming up Liam? we're going to be looking at another televised adventure uh, on our continuing of uh, looking at season 18 stories uh, it's Megloss we're going to be reviewing Megloss ah brilliant back to the TV stuff yeah back to the TV stuff Invol- in this time brilliant. involving a cactus yeah, yeah. Um, can we also officially announce something else today? Um, people might heard um, whispers online, you know, word on the street, what's happening with Cloisterbell. But um, the 1st of December, we'll be doing an interactive advent calendar on our website. Yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, as Rob says, interactive uh, advent calendar on our website. Go interact Come with back it every day. Of yeah. That. Uh, yeah. In- interact. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. Interact with it. Go on it. Click listen it. to stuff. Uh, the specially recorded material uh, from from Rob and I, but also a lot of special guests have uh, um, have provided material as well. So. Yeah. Nice so the variety. stuff from us might be a bit naff, but there is some good stuff yes, on there from other up. people. Just watch yeah. this space. Yeah. Keep your browsers locked to cloisterbellpodcast.com every day. Well, um, 
I think that's it. We've kept everyone long enough, Liam. I think. <laughs> yeah, this is a long one, but we yeah. always said there was uh, there was a lot to talk about with this episode. So there was, yes. Well, uh, thanks again. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone. I don't know why I'm waving. No, <laughs> Bye. The tide is cloister bell. Imminent disaster. The cloister bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the cloister bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The cloister bell? Oh, no. Hello, everyone. This is the advert for the Advent Calendar, Cloister Bell Advent Calendar special. Hi, Liam. You're on Hi, the Rob. Advert. Hi, everyone. Do we have to sing Jingle Bells or something? Yes. I, I don't know. Jingle Bells, Jingle... Uh, that's bell. all I know. I can't remember any of the other words. Well, maybe we'll attempt the full thing on, on the calendar. Good idea. Is that a promise? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a promise. We'll try it. I don't know all the words, but we'll go. So, uh, so t- tell everyone, and we've probably got like 20 seconds of this advert left tell them what it's all about go on the website close about podcast because it's coming up with christmas we're going to be uh, enjoying it and there's an advent calendar and on that advent calendar there's loads of voice clips from us uh, and and other songs podca- songs uh lots of fun joy there's joy happiness uh yuletide be greetings be there Every be day. square and uh we have contributions from other podcasters as well Sh- so that, that was a up. secret oh <laughs> was it you can't swear to an advert just beep it out. Bye. Do you say bye at the end of an advert? Bye.